Let's begin then. We're looking at Psalm 23, but I want to start by quoting a brief prayer. and I want you to listen to the words carefully. I am toiling and moiling, troubled and distressed, but thou art forever at perfect peace. Thy designs cause thee no care or fear of unfulfillment, but they stand fast as the eternal hills. It's describing two states, one of the prayer, us, and the other of the object of prayer, God. One is in turmoil about the present and the future, and the other in perfect peace about everything, about every plan he has made. So is it meant to be like this? Is peace about our circumstances, something only the divine, only God can experience? Or is this one of those communicable things that God can transfer to us? It's what we're looking at together as we look at Psalm 23 over the next three weeks. So let's see what the psalm has to say. Firstly, notice that the psalm is a testimony of David, the king of Israel, possibly the future king of Israel. His core message, as the psalm begins, the Lord is my shepherd. This core message is of David and his relationship to God as his shepherd. More than that, as his personal shepherd. David could previously speak about God or sing about God in his psalms as in the words of a Bible commentator, the more distant king or deliverer or the impersonal rock shield, whereas the shepherd, as he refers to him now, the shepherd lives with his flock and is everything to it, guide, physician, protector. The term you see, the term in Middle Eastern thought at least, it speaks of intimacy, of relationship. Moreover, the Jews to whom the Bible was initially addressed, the Old Testament, the, the Jews saw God more as, as someone for the corporate nation. So Psalm 80, they could speak of God as a shepherd, but only in a corporate sense. Psalm 80 verse 1, hear us. O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, who are enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth. You see, it's corporate language, and that's how ancient societies functioned. They were communities. God is the God of Israel, or the God of the nation, the shepherd of Israel. But for David in Psalm 23, it's unique. He turns the whole thing on his head and personalizes our relationship to the divine. Listen to him. The Lord, the Lord, and it's in capitals because it's referring to the Lord by his name, Yahweh, the Lord is my shepherd. So this is David's story, the story of his life. He tells it us through uh, the lens of sheep. He dramatizes it for us. And he wants us to hear. He wants to testify to us of his experience through life, through life's journey, 
with God as his personal shepherd. And one more thing, just before we really get into the psalm. God is, is a generic term to us, certainly, and I'm using it frequently here. But when David speaks of God or of the Lord, as he refers to him, we can't be quite sure how much he knew of God and of his complexity. We know God as a triune person, a father, son and spirit. We don't know how much David understood of that. But what we know now know is that God is in three persons and it's his son, Jesus, who is the shepherd of Israel, certainly, but of all who look to him. So John 10 is the passage that Naomi read for us earlier. Speaks in John 10, 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And in saying that on the streets of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago was a direct reference to those shepherd passages in the Old Testament. Every Jew would have known that. Jesus was presenting himself as the shepherd of Israel, or in our case, as our personal shepherd. And so as we continue through the psalm, whenever whenever we think of the Lord is my shepherd, we'd be better to, to consider it more in this light. Jesus is my shepherd. So let me ask you, at the onset of our message this morning, is Jesus your shepherd? Do you know him personally? And let me tell you a quick story. Some time back, a, a real story, um, a famous a newsreader, I believe he was, was asked to come and read Psalm 23 and he he read it and it was just was amazing, eloquent and sophisticated how he sounded. And a little later, an elderly gentleman also read the psalm. It wasn't quite so sophisticated. And afterwards the two got talking and the elderly gentleman said to this newsreader how amazing it was to listen to him, how well he knew the psalm. He quoted it off by heart. But the newsreader turned around and said to the elderly gentleman, hey, when I listened to you I realised I may know the psalm, But I could tell by the tone of your voice, you knew the shepherd. It's lovely, isn't it? And so I want to ask, and because it matters, everything in this psalm hangs on this one truth at the beginning. Is Jesus your personal shepherd? Maybe so. Let's continue. We're covering the psalm we said in in three messages. The first one, just the first three verses, all being well. I'm going to try and keep to time. Here's our heading. The main heading is a picture of perfect peace. A picture of perfect peace. And our subheading, Jesus the shepherd provides all-round loving care for his sheep. Jesus the shepherd provides all round loving care to his sheep. So Jesus is my shepherd, or the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Hey, we all know want, don't we? 
is something every human experiences, whether a newborn wanting milk or a teenager wanting the latest piece of technology. Mind you, you don't need to be a teenager to want the latest piece of technology today. Or, or an adult wanting something more from life. We all know want. But I think we have to, to look at this through the lens of the Bible. And here's what a commentator does for us. He explains to us the focus of the word want is not so much the idea of desiring something as on lacking something needed. Not so much desiring something, but lacking something needed. The focus of one then is not so much my craving for everything new, but rather the assurance of not lacking any good thing, not lacking anything good or conducive to the quality of our journey as Christians. Hey, let me tell you this. Jesus is interested in your walk, in the quality of your experience and journey in this world. He's interested in how you're getting on. Now, that doesn't always look quite like we may expect. It doesn't mean things always work out exactly as we expect. Take Paul, for example, the great apostle Paul, and his thorn in the flesh, that torment, whatever it may have been. He cried to the Lord, and God answered to him, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. So God doesn't always meet our need or interact with the quality of our experience in life in quite the way we expect always. But other times, he seems to. So take, for example, the, the widow of Nain. And it's a beautiful story. Not initially, but it ends beautifully. Of this widow and mourning the loss of her only child, it seems, this young man, her provider and carer. And in the funeral procession, procession Jesus comes along and we're told that when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. And Jesus raised her son to life. Now that wasn't just about meeting need. It certainly met a need because her son was no doubt her provider. But it was much deeper, much more. Jesus was providing something to affect the quality of her life, of her existence. You see, this son didn't merely provide for her. He loved her. She loved him. Having him in her life embellished her life in some form. He gave her a quality, a joy, a happiness, having his presence, his, his companionship, his love. And so Jesus will meet us at our need, not always in the way we expect, sometimes, but he will. And he sometimes may just surprise us, astonishingly. So, the opening lines of the psalm give us confidence that Jesus will meet our every essential need. And once, when they are lined up with his will for us, that are good for us, when they fit in with his purposes for our lives. And we're called to surrender to his wisdom and trust him. He wants to do you good, Christian. So let's see fleshed out for a psalm, verses 2 to 3, 
flesh it out for us. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. If you're anything like me, then green pastures beside quiet, clear, blue, still lakes is something that will restore your soul. Just an amazing scene, isn't it? I can't think of anything better, anywhere better, except perhaps uh, some uh, clear blue sea and white sand and a surfboard or a young coconut to sip on. I mean, that seems really idyllic, doesn't it? But either picture, uh, the green pastures or, or if it suits you, the, 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 the clear blue sea, they're pictures of tranquil beauty. Somewhere where we would find rest for our wearied souls. You see, the Psalms presenting us with this perfect picture of where peace is our experience. Now, remember, it's talking about sheep, so I don't suppose sheep care. Uh, when we lived in South Wales back in the UK, we came across a lot of sheep that were always in our garden, causing a real mess. Sometimes we'd get back from having been out and entered our back garden. And it's obvious the sheep had been in because all the children's play equipment was on his side or upside down. You didn't know, did you, the sheep <laughs> enjoy playing on kids' equipment or running through it, knocking it over on the way to the loot. But the thing about sheep is that not, they don't care about aesthetics. The picture here is not about how it looks. It's about how it feels, the experience. You see, you've got to imagine yourself as a sheep. Just imagine a woolly white sheep. Well, they're not so white here in Oz, I've noticed. Okay, but the ones I'm used to, or have been used to, are white, right? Okay, imagine yourself this woolly white sheep. What's your interest? It's green grass, still waters. Not for how they look, but for how they taste and the experience so as I listen to the psalm again and through the eyes the lens of a sheep it makes me lie down in green pastures this is a yummy grass yes yummy grass remember you're a sheep okay not just any old grass but yummy tasteful nutritious grass and if you don't think grass is nutritious or can be of any real value just look at a horse that muscular creature grows, grows up on grass. So this is lush, yummy, nutritious grass. A similar point is made later. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. You see, sheep, like us humans, can't survive long without water. The quiet waters are places that are safe, away from predators. The thing about sheep is not so much there stubborn, as nervous, you see. They're untrusting. They won't eat or drink if they feel unsafe. You know, even to the, to the detriment of their health. And so, lying down and having quiet waters is about having an environment that is conducive to their welfare. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. These are these right paths are safe paths, even paths. Paths that are good for sheep to travel on and, and they are safe from predators. 
and the shepherd using his crook would use it to steer sheep back onto the right way whenever they strayed. So here's the thing. David knew both theoretically and experientially that the Lord sustained his life. Whenever he despaired of life, God, it seems, would always have it in hand, would lead him to those places that are metaphorically speaking green pastures and quiet waters. At times, he'll be within the arm's throw of danger. We'll see more of that next week. And there he would recuperate, prosper under God's care. Whenever he'd stray from God's instructions and commands, the prophet would speak and lead him back onto the right way. And all this care package is for his name's sake. That is, it's consistent with the nature of all that God's name stands for. And the names, certainly in that culture, had real significance. Here's what a commentator writes. The shepherd acts to benefit the sheep, not just in order to preserve his character or reputation, but in a way that is consistent with the nature that the name reveals. Jesus is a caring and able provider. So the point for us, Christian, is this, that Jesus, the shepherd, leads us through the Christian journey to places of spiritual nourishment, to safety, along the paths of holiness, so that our wearied souls may be restored, revitalised and remade, remodelled into his image. Jesus The shepherd provides all-round loving care for his sheep. So, what does that actually look like? When the rubber hits the road, what does that feel like in your life, in my life, today, tomorrow, and beyond? So for you and me, you see, when compared to sheep at least, our lives are far more complex, far more complex. Our lives seem to be so sophisticated these days. It's, it's way more technical than merely chewing the cut, as it were. Our modern lives, it seems, have requirements that can be incredibly complex. But hey, hey, however complex your life right now, It's not too complex for God, Jesus, to comprehend and to meet you at your point of need, of hurt, of torment, of suffering. That's what David is telling us. It's exactly what Jesus, the shepherd, communicates in his famous psalm. The Sermon on the Mount. This is what we read, Matthew 6. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? In verse 32, your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Remember, Jesus and his Father are one in purpose. 
one in substance and essence. Two, your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Christian, the message of the psalm for you and for me is trust him. Believe in him. Not just that he exists. Believe in him. Believe in him. Have your confidence in him. He's got it in hand. He's working it out for you. Because Jesus is our shepherd Christian. We're promised. Assured. that I shall not be in want of any good and necessary thing for the life marked out for us. Look, we may struggle at times on the journey. There may be delays to some of God's purposes for us. There may well be twists and turns into coming into the fullness and into the green pastures and the still waters into the fullness of what he's doing in our lives. This is a broken world. And we are caught up in it. But in the midst, amidst this broken world, Jesus leads us to those, those places of green pastures, still waters, every good and necessary thing marked out for us, that is planned for us, that are within the circumference of his greater purposes for us, will be our reality through Jesus, our shepherd. Jesus is the key. See, none of this, we said at the beginning, works if we're detached from Jesus, if he's not our shepherd, if we don't know him personally. But as long as, our, as, long as he is our shepherd, Jesus is my shepherd, David tells us, I shall not be in one. Jesus the shepherd provides all round loving care for his sheep. So how, let me ask, how are you finding 2020? How's the year progressing? How are the last few years for you being? The last decade, we've just we just begun a brand new decade. What was that previous decade like for you? What are you thinking now? Where are you? Are you are you going through this year thinking you can't face another year like the decade that has just gone? Are you already on, on a back foot in despairing of the, the challenges that lie ahead in fear, wishing there was better prospects for you now, for your future? Perhaps wondering what difference this new decade, this new year, if any, you will make to your progress on this journey. Hey, if Jesus is your shepherd, his word to you is that he makes you lie down in green pastures. He leads you beside quiet waters and he restores 
your soul. He guides you in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He has your life in his hands. He has the ducks lined up, at least in his mind, for you. And however bad he may seem just now, however hard the struggles, whether that's terrible job prospects, financial crises, terrible misery, loneliness, dark uncertainties, medical emergencies, even cancer. Jesus cares for you. He has your life in his hands. It tells us that he's carved us in the palms of his hands. And whatever your need, whether the immediate pressing ones or beyond into tomorrow and next year and the year beyond, he has it in hand. He's taking care of it. Trust Him. Believe in Him. Put your hope in Him. Here's what Jeremiah 29, 11, the famous verse says, and it's so apt, so suited to this scenario. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. There's a plan unfolding. He's holding course. There may be terrible darkness and struggles and bewilderments en route. More on that next week. But his good purposes for you, for today and tomorrow, are never and have never been under threat. They've never been uncertain. In fact, they've never changed. Have you ever thought of it like this? That God's purposes for you, His good purposes for you, have never evolved, never been modified. His purposes are holding course. That plan He has for your life, the good place that He's leading you to, is His A plan for you. You see, we may be toiling and moiling and troubled and distressed. But He is a perfect peace. His designs, His purposes in other words, cause Him no fear of being fulfilled. They stand as certain as the hills. You ever tried moving a hill? They can't be moved. That's how concrete God's plan is for you. So Christian, let me close. Trust Him. You can trust your life, your present and your future to Jesus. He is a perfect peace. And that peace is yours. It's accessible to you. As you believe his word, as you believe in him, that peace is yours too. He's leading you according to his design to green pastures, quiet waters. And whatever may be happening around you, even if there's danger and complexities and uncertainties within arms throw, he's got you.
in the place of peace, exactly at the center of his purpose for you. So therefore, Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Cry out to him, tell him your need, whatever it may be. Don't fear him. He's not going to get upset with you. Remember Job? Job was commended by God for all that he said because at least he was honest with God about how he felt. He was honest to God, to God about his suffering, about his difficulty. He laid it out. Christian, God can take your frustration and your tears and even your anger. Just be honest with him. He knows anyway. He reads you like a book. Tell him how you feel. Cry before him. Call him into your situation. Be frank. Do it humbly. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. With Jesus as our shepherd, with Jesus as our shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Amen.